Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian Bigless Mountaineer and the Reverend Captain Kickass. The Electronic Freedom Foundation is an organization that uh, keeps an eye on things when it comes to governments. Governments around the the planet, uh, specifically, I think more so Western ones, on what they are doing to freedom online, uh, meaning your freedom to, I don't know, express yourself, your freedom to have privacy, things like that. They pay attention to the news and... I, you know, we're over here in the U.S. We don't really pay close attention to what's going on in the U.K., but they've done something there that uh, the people who hate online freedom are very excited about. I like to pronounce it yuck. The UK, UK. that's a good one. Yuck. Mm. The yuck. I like that. You know, they've earned that. that. They totally have. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And it's it's pretty ugly. Uh, They passed what they call the online safety bill. And you probably can imagine that it's a safety bill. Yeah, it's a safety bill. That is, I'm sure, the best I will ever feel about this, Captain. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is bad news for people that are in the UK for sure, but it's also likely bad news for people outside of the UK. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. So if I have, I don't know, a laptop computer or a desktop computer, and I... Connect to the internet. You are in danger. Am sir. I unsafe in some way, shape, or form? Dun, dun, dun. How, how is it that I am unsafe and require government intervention in order to become safe? Well, they you may be safe, but they need to know everything about what you're doing in order to make sure that you aren't doing something you're not supposed to do. Well, what if I'm perfectly safe and they don't know about it? Well, they need to know. Why? Because you might not be safe. What if I am? But they don't know. Who cares if they know? They or not? care. Oh, they care. Why do so I care? This, is, this is about the children. But I don't. I mean, care. hey, you know, you asked a question. I'd like to answer it. Sure. You you think that you're safe because you got online? The truth is, you might do something illegal. That's what they're or saying. Or something that they think might be all illegal, right, right, right. or just something in general they don't like. Like, oh, I don't know, making money and not giving them any. Mm-hmm. Let me posit a similar but different question in juxtaposition. What if I walk outside my front door onto the sidewalk? Well, they have Again. you covered. Am I safe? Again, you might do something illegal or something they think is illegal or just something they don't like, like make money and not give well, them wait, some. Remember, and we are... that will make you very, very unsafe. Now, we are talking about the United Kingdom here where they do have thousands of CCTV cameras pointed all over the place in uh, cities like London. I oh, think yeah. they're elsewhere as well. Not to yeah, mention they, they require they, they... a license for you to have a television. That, they do that. Yeah, that's right. Like They didn't have the foresight to not put one up on... On the uh, celebration of George Orwell's life, like the the house that he grew up in, mm-hmm. you can photograph the the plaque where it says "To George Orwell" and the camera. Wow! They didn't bother with that. It's like, no, no. I know it's a dystopian nightmare, but uh, let's be tacky too. Ridley, you're on Free Talk Live from RidleyReport.com. Saving you from the internet. It reminds me of that scene in the Holy Grail in the Monty Python where, where the guys. You know, the, he meets five pretty women and in fact comes to save him from them. <laughs> no, my favorite, <laughs> the, uh, my favorite part of that movie is the. My favorite part of that movie is the. I bring to you these 15 
Ten Commandments. He had like three tablets, but like dropped one and it turned into dust. And so instead of 15, he presented Ten Commandments. Mm. But yes, they cannot let us face the peril of the internet. Mm-hmm. It is it is Castle Perilous. Uh, but uh, uh, Matt Sandburn, I was calling him about uh, Matt Sandburn of NH Exit was able to question presidential candidate Chris Christie about New Hampshire Independent. Yeah, what about it? I have the exact quote here. Uh, Matt asked him, I, I may have been saying his name wrong. I mean, it's Sabarin, and I may still be saying it wrong. But anyway, Matt, Matt Sabarin, um, he says, uh, quote, if one of the states in the country, whether it was New Hampshire or any of the other 50 states, voted to peacefully secede, would you let them go? Christie says, quote, I would do everything I could to make sure they didn't. I want to keep all 50, unquote. Yeah, well, that's what you would expect from a tyrant. Yeah. Yeah, and so so what does that mean? Everything I could? So like Oh yeah, as in as in civil war. Well, right, and as a, you know, representative, if you will, as a person employed by the government of the United States, everything he could literally means violence. I mean, gulags, seriously. Mm. Literal gulags. We are we are talking concentration camps, which I honestly see him being willing to do we're talking if that's asking, what it takes asking the military to take a stand on american ground against american citizens this by yeah, the way uh, is is not an unpopular idea i mean it is not a majority of people who support this i believe uh, reigns and edge talked about this on their show last night here on the free talk live network of shows uh, story that I had in show prep, but they covered it already, so it won't get too deep. But basically, around 25%, according to a new study uh, from Colby College, assistant professor Nicholas Jacobs, it's approximately 25% of Americans who are already on board with the idea of independence for their state. Uh, according to the survey they did, they asked three questions uh, do you favor the opposite party's state seceding? So if you're a Republican, are you in favor of California right. leaving? That sort of thing. Uh, over 25% said yes to that. Uh, then uh, the, the another question was, it makes sense to see the country split up or to split the country up. And a little under 25% supported that one, maybe about 24%. i am looking at a bar graph here, so I don't have the exact numbers. And then uh, the final question was, my state would be better off leaving the United States, and that one was slightly over 25%. So about a quarter of Americans right now are ready to go. They're ready to leave the United States. The United States of America, if you understand it properly, when it was founded, is a consortium of already divided states, right? And so then the federal government comes in and somehow perverts this into uh, cooperation between these individual states, i.e. countries, right? Uh, American, the United States uh, vernacular has been perverted to describe states as part of the federal government, whereas these states are individual countries. They are supposed to be countries. Mm, they New were. Hampshire should be a country, right? Wisconsin should be a country. Washington should be a country. Utah should be a country. New Hampshire was a country. Mm. Right, and that's what I'm saying. These were all founded as independent nations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that this would sort of be a devolution, right, a, a devolving of the United States into, oh, my gosh, they should... no, that's how it was founded in the first place. What happened is... 
all these states got together and kind of agreed that like we would have this other thing, you know, to cooperate on like defense and do some administrative, some secretarial stuff. And this grew into the largest empire the earth has ever seen. Maybe we could do like, uh, like the sports teams do like the NFL. We could be like, Hey, Texas, you got like some activists that are a little over the top for you. Well, we got some activists here that are a little, little under we'll the swap, top. right? You know, like Activist we'll trade swap. you these two guys for right. those two guys, and you know, midseason, see what happens to the playbook. Yeah, you know, California, if you've got some like real holdouts on that anti-war stuff, send them up here. We mm-hmm. love those guys. So, um, a few other interesting numbers from Pew Research that Pew. came out within the last Pew, Pew, Pew. week, actually Pew. several days ago. Only 4% of Americans now say the political system is working extremely or very well, with nearly three-quarters <laughs> saying on, it wait, isn't. There's 4% of Americans who think the system is working yeah. extremely well. <laughs> uh, or six, very well. 63% of Americans say they have little or no confidence in the future of the U.S. political system. 63%, wow. little or no confidence in the future. You of know, the- if we were as cool as Canada, we could have a vote on that. And then we'd all officially know that we had no confidence, and then the Queen would tell us we have confidence anyway. Well, and, and so I think it's interesting, the sort of the discrepancy no, between the viewpoints that people have. you got about a quarter of Americans saying they're fine with secession, but 63% don't have any confidence or little confidence in the future of the entire U.S. political system. So there's there's a big gaping hole in between that 25 and 63% of people. These are people who presumably are... 33%, what are they doing? Uh, presumably they just haven't figured out that secession could be a thing, they're right? Like they're not thinking yeah, about fine. it. It hasn't been presented to them, which is why I say that 25% of people already in favor of seceding is a really great starting point to be at. We're not I, at 10%. We're not at 2%. It's 25%. And you've got 63% of Americans having no confidence virtually in the entire system. All we got to do is persuade that 30-something percent to change their I mind am, and on I, secession. Me, personally, as a human being, I am totally guilty of not really fully thinking politics out until I was 38 or, mm-hmm. like, even beginning, right? Like, I, I still probably haven't fully thought it out, but, like, I didn't start to think about it until I was, like, 38, right? Uh, maybe Ron Paul campaign-ish era, Right. Kind of a thing. And so my take on the average American person is they also have not thought any of this through. I don't care where you live. I don't care if you're in a a blue state or a red state or whatever. Um, And a lot of people are like, well, I guess I'm kind of in the middle. Well, no, no, you're not. You just don't agree with either the left or the right. Right. And so that means you're. That makes you a little more sane, I think. It does. Yeah. Like, I think people who are in the middle are probably if they were to think about it logically and rationally, Mm -hmm. would fall towards the voluntarist category, right? And I just say that because I've encountered so many people who I know for a fact haven't thought it through. They just, you know, oh, I saw this on TV the other day. They regurgitate whatever they saw on the TV, whatever their favorite news channel is, and then they say that. and then, But they can't defend their positions with any sort of coherent thought or factual backup or anything. They just haven't thought it through. They just regurgitate what they saw on TV. And if you're able to sit them down and drill them down and spend some time with them, they come to the conclusion that <laughs> the one, the same conclusion we've come to, 
which is uh, all human interaction should be voluntary uh, with consent. So uh, the numbers here back what you're saying, or at least back your personal experience, meaning that as you were a younger person, you didn't really get it. You weren't paying attention. Sure enough, younger adults are somewhat more likely than older adults to say the political system's working well. Gigi is on the line in South Carolina. Go ahead, Gigi. Hi, everybody. I haven't called in for a few weeks. Welcome. So good evening. What's on your mind tonight? I have two points I would like to make, and then I have a question for our listeners across the nation as well as our hosts this evening. All right. Number one, in recent American history, we have already witnessed and experienced American citizens rounded up, placed in various internment camps, their citizenship revoked, their personal and communal properties confiscated, the Mm -hmm. Japanese-American citizens. Agreed. That's right. So we've already experienced that, and don't ever think these types of things cannot happen again. Great point. If yeah, the powers believe, they have oh, during an no, emergency are the powers they have. Take the needle out of your arm, baby. Okay. Now, my first point. You were referring to independent nations prior to the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Let me please, as a former American history professor at Florida International University in Miami, Let me please rephrase that, not meant to be disrespectful or obnoxious, but let me use proper verbiage. The Articles of Confederation, the Continental Congress, they were independent colonies, formerly European-owned property, territory, resources, and people. A transformation was then made into these United States of America, hence federal. No, 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 no. You're you're when skipping you the can, state. No, no, no. You're skipping you a can, step. Can, when a colony secedes from please the from their colonizer. Can I please finish? Yes. Thank you. Then there was a decision made by the federal authorities, hence the central government. When you can control territory, you control resources, you control income, you control what's coming in and out, not only mobility, but trade. This is all a part of ownership. And as the captain always emphasizes, And I might point out correctly, it is a form of coercion. It is a form of violence. Okay. Uh, Peekless, do you want to say what you were trying to correct? I will listen attentively to your perspective, sir. Yeah, that uh, when when the colonies threw off their colonizer, they became an independent state. And when they did that, they were their own uh, states, nations, countries. Mm Uh, their own political entities, uh, commonwealth in some cases. That, but I Whereas, will respect like, your perspective. Okay, well, you interrupted him now, so let's let him finish what he has You're to right, say. You're right. I beg your pardon. Yeah, for example, as uh, as we have a uh, caller uh, very frequently remind us, uh, Pennsylvania was, in fact, a commonwealth. 
which is also something referred uh, reserved for essentially what we would now consider an empire, but a uh, a collection like of Puerto states. Rico? I wasn't like referring the, to like the way we refer to Puerto Rico as a commonwealth. I would agree with you. Okay. Um so you said you disagreed earlier with what Pecos Mountaineer was saying about these uh colonies becoming countries when they declared independence and it's just a simple yes. matter of history. And I'll explain why. Okay, well you can get to that in a moment, but I'm going to explain okay. that you're incorrect. It's a simple matter of history. New Hampshire declared independence, I believe it was two years prior to the uh, the formation of the United yeah, right. States. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sometime prior, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. in New Hampshire's constitution, the what is now called governor was originally called the president right. of New Hampshire. Correct. So Correct. That is, it is a fact that New Hampshire and probably some of the other ones were independent nations of their on their own volition who decided to come together to form a union. Yeah. At that time, they weren't even a confederation, not even a loose confederation. It was, this is a state, a nation. Mm-hmm. Okay, Gigi. I guess I would just uh, differ with you gentlemen on the noun. I wouldn't say an independent nation. I would say an independent territory. What do you think that the population of the United States well, would then no, no, it's, like? It's how more would they about respond the population to that? of if we're using the example of New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's take everybody in New Hampshire that ever uh, was uh, a member of the armed forces. Mm-hmm. Right. Now all of a sudden, the United States military is. You know, I don't know, bombing us or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Bombing the state of New Hampshire, or they're invading with troops or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think the people who live here now that that formerly served are going to lay down and take it? I don't think they will. No, no definitely not. Okay. And so, but the question is, I think was about what the rest of America would do, right, right? right. Uh, the rest of America, I think, would wake up. I would hope I they would have wake learned up and go. Stop why, ever betting on that. Why are? Why is the United Look, States declaring war? I'm on sorry. Itself? Like I'm sorry. At some point, you have to give up because, like, they didn't wake up during COVID. They're not mm. waking up for New Hampshire's mm. independence. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just talking. They're not going to wake up. I'm not talking about the average. I'm talking about specifically current and former military of the United States. Yes. I don't think that they're going to spontaneously form a military to go against the United States military. Yeah, it seems to me like most suggesting. Americans that's would not cower. What I'm, suggesting. what I'm suggesting is that those who served previously mm-hmm. would go, wait a minute, this mm-hmm. is wrong. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people yeah, would great. say it's wrong. And then what? I think that's true. And then what? Well, we would have to you know, be in that situation to find mm-hmm. out. Well, right. So I don't think that the the ex-military of America suddenly you know, coming to their senses about this is going to help us in that circumstance. And this no. is why, like, uh, don't get me wrong, I absolutely believe for pushing for independence at every mm-hmm. possible term. But I think that the actual path is something that is more gradual and thus more peaceful. Mm-hmm. I think that what you slowly but surely I would love nothing more than a more peaceful path. Right. Well, and that's and that's I think the way it has to happen in order for this to accomplish uh, effectively is that you change the culture of New Hampshire 
to start thinking of themselves less and less as attached to the most violent gang on the planet Mm -hmm. and more and more their own sort of we like to be over here doing our own thing. And as you do that, people simply become less compliant with tax laws. They become less compliant with all of the regulations on business. And we just start doing more and more a little bit here, a little bit there of New Hampshire's own thing until it reaches a point where we're like, Hey, we should just go ahead and formalize this since we're already doing our own thing anyway. I'm with Mm. you, and you and I agree on, yes, that's the best tactic, right? I want peaceful resolution Mm. to this conflict that we have with this entity known as government, Mm -hmm. right? I want everybody to realize that you uh, have the power. Like, be the president of yourself. Be the captain of yourself, as I always say. Mm -hmm. Right. This is the way forward. Right. If you just simply take responsibility for yourself completely and 100 percent, don't outsource your crap to the government. Don't be like, well, yeah, I really care about the poor, but I don't do anything about it. I just Mm. let my taxes. No, then Mm. you don't care about the poor. Right. Like you actually don't care. You just think that somebody else taking your money is going to take care. You're outsourcing that responsibility. Mm-hmm. You feel like you should be helping the poor, but you don't but you do anything no about attention. it. You, you pay no <laughs> attention to anything that's going on in your own community, much less anybody else's community, about the poor. Because yeah. this entity is taking money from you, and they falsely convinced you that they're doing something about the poor. They're not. Right. They're In fact, they're keeping the poor poor, and they're making more poor every day. Yeah. Right. So like this does not occur. So this is the waking up part that I talk about. Right. When people realize that, oh, my gosh, I can no longer outsource this responsibility. Right. If you were able to keep all of the money that you make and then go, wow, you know, I'm doing pretty well. And there's some people on the planet that are not as well off as me. Let me research a charity or two. Let me uh, let me do some volunteering. Mm-hmm. Let me find out where, like, if I want to donate, you know, one percent, five percent, ten percent of my money. Mm-hmm or time or effort or a combination of all those things to some charity to make a dent on the poor, right? Where is it most effective? That's how poverty gets solved, Mm -hmm. not by absolving yourself of responsibility and allowing your, quote, tax money, unquote, to, like, take care of the poor for you so you don't have to freaking think about it. Older people, however, are more likely to express confidence when it comes to the future of the U.S. political system. So older people... More so than younger people think the current system is bad, but older people more so than younger people think that it still has a future, which is strange. Uh, It says here that about four out of 10 adults 65 and older, 43%, say they have at least some confidence in the future of the political system. But when you look at adults under the age of 30, that number drops to three out of 10, so 30%. I, I, I would hope... That doing things like, oh, I don't know, Free Talk Live, uh, you know, other media that is in support of independence, of, uh, you know, decentralization, these types of things would spread amongst the youth faster than amongst the, the old, right? Anybody over, I don't know, 40 or something like that, mm-hmm. right? I would, I would think and hope that these, particularly the technology parts, cryptocurrency, Right. New technologies, AI, stuff like that. Anything that gets decentralized, I would think, would spread amongst the youth way faster 
then it would mm. spread amongst you know the old well, people that have old habits you right know, they die hard right right and so coming from a generation that is older than the internet is older than the compact disc is older than the vcr is older than touchstone telephones Right. I expect mm-hmm. the generation that is, oh, I don't know, you know, been born within the last five years or so yeah. to be one of the most technologically adaptable generations. In other words, they pick up quick. Mm-hmm. Parents are very quick to hand their kids cell phones these days. Cell phones, as for we better know, or for worse. are the magic rectangle, right? You've got a portal that gives you instant access to all of the information thereabouts. Uh, that is available on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And if you're smart enough to get beyond the facade that's presented to you by, like, Google, for example, right? if you're smart enough to get beyond that, you're going to be leaps and bounds ahead of anybody else in your generation. I think that if you have a child today that's five years old or under, you have no business teaching them about how to balance a checkbook. <laughs> Because bank accounts, checking accounts, they're going to be like, why do I need that? I have this cryptocurrency that I can use. I have these wallets. I have many, many different currencies to choose from. They're all tailored to whatever the heck it is. You know, it's a video game currency. It's a, you know, security currency. Mm -hmm. It's a, a, you know, gold-based currency, whatever it is. They have many choices now. And they're going to be like, what do I need a bank account for? (laughs) Well, I mean, as you would say, right now, I think you only cut checks to the government, right? Uh, there's yeah that's that's yeah, true that's what yeah. you'd have to tell uh, there, your kids see you need this little billy I, because I, I the moved government. from a place where i had no checkbook responsibilities at mm-hmm. all i could pay all of my bills either online with a debit card or uh you know in some way like that yeah. and like i moved to new hampshire because of freedom and all that kind of stuff and i get here and then i buy property and then I buy property in a place where they are so behind the curve, <laughs> so behind the curve. They don't even have like a portal that yeah. I can like log into with my email address or my address and my name and all that stuff and pay my bill with like a debit or a credit card. No, no, no. I must mail them a check or money order in order for me to pay my water bill. Well, and the reason that you would want to teach someone to balance a checkbook is so that they don't spend more money than they have mm, and then get penalized from, from well, the bank spending money that they didn't have. Whereas with this nice little unprintable, unprintable money, uh, they can't possibly spend money they don't have. So now apparently Australia is pushing the idea of a cashless society to the next level. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you have there on that, Peekless? Well, Australia to be functionally cashless by 2025. And I also have a a couple of stories on uh, the the fifth largest bank is moving there by the end of the year. Hmm. So in two years? Yeah. Yeah. Functionally cashless. Functionally cashless, whereas the the fifth largest uh, bank expects to be digital only by the end of this year. The only only time I've ever heard the word functionally in front of something, uh, you know, predominantly, is when it comes to literacy, right? I know for a fact that uh, one out of every five high school graduates in the United States is functionally 
illiterate. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't read. It just means that they can't read very well. Mm-hmm. And somehow, they've managed to graduate. Right? But what does it mean when it comes to what dollars? Is, well, and, and, right, well, what well, is no, functional? And, and functional illiteracy is very much the problem that we are coping with today, is that no one, that, no one can read information and get complex inferences. Mm. I, I get that, but how does the word functional apply in this case? What is functional cashlessness. functional cashlessness as opposed to just ca- like cashlessness means cash is dead doesn't mean anything don't care how much you have in your pocket how much is in mm-hmm. your wallet how much is under your mattress or under the floorboards or whatever right it's worthless it's paper you should burn it because it doesn't mean anything that's cashless what is functionally cashless because it sounds yeah, functionally like cashless, somewhere in between right so it's sort of uh, like we were talking about in uh, you know the 90s with a credit card so, yeah, sure, some people had them, they worked, but it was a functionally cash-only society at the time. And this is exactly the same thing, only the reverse, where, sure, money, like, in the form of cash, money exists, but no one uses that. It's it's weird for you to use a dollar. I mean, in the United States of America— And a bunch of places, honestly, would likely not accept them anymore. In the United States of America, do we not already then qualify as a functionally cashless society? No, not no. at all. Why not? Well, can you name a business that doesn't accept uh, cash? Can you name a business that doesn't accept I can, credit actually. cards? Yes. More, I can name more businesses that, well, okay, let me take it back. In my, let me take it back. I can name businesses that charge you extra for okay. accepting credit right, cards. That's fine. And that's but, a new thing but that like, has developed recently. I can use my mm, insert card here, Visa, Master. Sure, if you want to pay more. Uh, at more places than I can use cash. That may be slightly true. I've heard a rumor that Chipotle is not accepting cash anymore. I have mm. not personally been to Chipotle and that's even in here some in like, time. Like mm. in the Seattle, Washington area, mm. oh my gosh, I think most places are functionally cashless without any law to say so. What you mean is they don't accept cash at all? No, or what no I'm one's saying paying is that cash. the majority of people do not pay in cash. Right. Mm. Yeah, and that's the difference right? not, between not cashless and functionally Not by any rule of law, cashless. not by mm. any, uh, you know, b- politician yeah. or anything saying so, mm-hmm. just by the fact that this is how people happen you're to operate. You're saying this is what you're seeing. Hey, Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So, I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. Australia is rapidly heading towards becoming a, quote, cashless society, unquote, as banks crack down on withdrawals, close Ooh. ATMs and branches, uh, close ATMs and branches and ban cash altogether. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. With one expert predicting physical money will be completely gone by the end of the decade. That's a little bit more than functionally cashless. Yep. Well, that's by the end of the decade. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be here before you know it. Quote, I'd say we'd be functionally cashless by the end of 2025. It'll just be a complete rarity, hmm. said Richard Holden, professor of economics at you can UNSW. Call him Dick. It's fine. Yeah. 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 
Dick, Dick Holden. Holden. That's a good yeah. one. <laughs> Professor of economics at UNSW Business School. But unless the government gets involved to accelerate the process, I think we'll be actually cashless by 2030. They may very well get involved. I mean, this, I don't know what Australia is not involved already. Yeah, I don't know what their plot is for the CBDC or the Central Bank Digital Currency, but given that they're one of the Western nations, uh, sort of, they are probably going to be interested in that. I suspect they are plotting, uh, certainly Canada, the United States, many countries, even small uh, Caribbean nations have actually already launched their CBDCs. So. Yeah, there's pilots going on in I don't, six, seven countries yeah, or something I'll have to like look that. into that. What else? Um, Macquarie Bank this week announced it would be phasing out cash altogether. That's crazy. Next year. Uh, following similar moves by Commonwealth what? Bank, NAB, and ANZ to stop handling cash in a few branches. Yeah. Well, what about... Okay, so um, I know for a fact that coin-operated machines are a thing. Well, right? a like lot of those have... Newspaper uh, machines, machines, vending machines, right? A now, lot of those have uh, card readers Now, I know that, that, like, uh, but many of them do not. So are these industries now going to be forced to bear the cost of upgrading their uh, payment receiving systems because uh, government decides that they're cashless? That's what a government would do, yeah. Well, it sounds like it won't even be government that's doing it uh, any more than the banks are part of government. the central bank thinks it's... Right, uh, because the the banks think it's a great idea. Which might as well be the government at this point. Uh, Australia, according to Coindesk, in an article published in August, says that the CBDC could uh, could be some years away. They did do a test, apparently, on the CBDC there, and due to unresolved issues that surfaced at the end of the pilot project, it may be some years, quote-unquote, away. Is, this is what I don't understand about the central bank digital currency. All central banks at this point in time have effectively digital currency. No, yeah, that's right. Why the gyration? Why not just be like, okay, well, we've got digital currency. Here it is. They don't have it for mm. individual well, so accounts. That's, so basically, this is the the difference between fascism and communism. So what we currently have is a fascist economic system in the in the strictest sense of economics. Okay. Not that they're racist or any of that, but in that there is no distinguishable difference between the corporations and the state. Mm-hmm. So right now it's a it's a less centralized. It's like a, a confederation, if you will. Okay. So yes, they are all government. Uh, uh, Regulated. I mean, yes, they are all. The they all answer to a central is bank. Centralized. Well, is so it that, not? Well, so no, that's the difference. So, uh, for example, in this country, there is no such thing as a digital dollar coming out of the Federal Reserve. There's a digital dollar from Chase Bank. There's a digital dollar from Bank of America. There's a digital dollar from, well, no longer New Republic Bank, I guess. Right, but so wouldn't there be less friction, less time to market, less everything as far as a, a banking business is concerned for the Federal Reserve to just adopt the existing version of digital currency, call it CBDC, and apply the CBDC rules to it? Well, it's not centralized, though. It so that's, would be so if the they difference take it is, over. Hold on. I'm confused here, Peekless. Right. Um, I get what I think. Let me see if I can understand what you're saying so right. far. When you say 
Bank of America has a digital dollar or Chase Bank has a digital dollar. You mean they're issuing debit cards. Those things have dollars associated with them, that sort of thing. But isn't the Federal Reserve essentially helping the government print trillions of digital dollars? I mean, it's not actually printing those in real life. It's incrementing numbers in a computer system somewhere. Borrowing them into existence. So So if Bank of America gives a loan to somebody for $100,000 for, I don't know, property, something, right? They are literally creating that money out of thin air That's in correct. the digital environment. Right, right. So, so how is basically that not what you have a CBDC? So what you have it's not now, central. right? Exactly. How so is it not? Because it's sponsored it's, by the it's Federal Reserve. It is authorized by the Federal Reserve. Right. The, the Federal Reserve is ultimately the the permission. I giver. think the thing you're missing here, Captain, is, and I, I think that you know. The central bank does have digital currency. It's just not for the people. Right. That's for the banks only. And the key here with the CBDC, as I understand the proposal, is that individuals would then have accounts with the central bank. Mockery Bank, which is the fifth largest bank in Australia. Fifth largest. Wow. Announced this week that it is phasing out cash altogether next year. And there are similar moves being followed by a bunch of other banks to stop handling cash in at least a few branches. Dear children who are listening, if you're under the age of, uh, I don't know, 20, (laughs) uh, pay attention because this is important. And the shock announcement comes after banks' efforts to make it more difficult for for customers to transact in cash have sparked backlash in recent months. Mm. In response, another money expert has warned Australia's banks could soon start, quote, cash rationing at ATMs. This is what happens in countries where they are inflating the money supply Mm -hmm. and people are demanding their money so they can go and exchange it for things like the American dollar that is not inflating as quickly. The banks will clamp down on ATM withdrawals and say, well, you used to be able to withdraw $500 a day, but now you can only withdraw $50 or whatever. Very, very interesting because I functionally bumped into this during covid do you remember really? when? Do you remember when mm. the uh, the government decided to send uh, what was it uh, twelve hundred and five hundred dollars? I don't know. It was two different. Yeah, there was a couple amounts of money giveaways that mm-hmm. they 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 just sent everybody a check or whatever. When at the same time they were sending hundreds of billions to their buddies. Of course, yeah. yes. Uh, so the first one that I got was an actual check, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. From it was like a tax refund check from. Yep. You know, the United States or whatever, you just deposit it in your checking account. The money's there. Boom. You're yeah. good to go. If you were smart, you bought Bitcoin. Which is what I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. The second one, I think was the bigger one, the $1,200 one. Mm-hmm. They didn't send me a check because they would only send checks to those who, I don't know, fill out the forms and created an account online, whatever it was. And if you didn't do any of that, you could go to this thing where you're like, hey, I didn't get it and put in your address or whatever. And they would mail you. Essentially, a prepaid debit card. Oh, really? Yeah. So I got the wow. pre, I got this prepaid debit card, and uh, because like everybody else would take a fee if you wanted it direct deposited mm-hmm. in your bank account, it was going to cost you one, two, three percent of whatever they were sending you. So instead of getting your twelve hundred dollars, you'd get eleven hundred dollars or whatever it was, mm-hmm. right? Whatever the fee was on top of it, you were only getting part of it. Uh, and I wanted to get all of it, so I elected all of the things that would allow me to get the whole entire amount. Sure. Because I wanted to buy more Bitcoin. <laughs> all right. Makes sense. Um, and so I bumped into this functionally, and I'm sure many other people did too. Uh, the instructions said you could take this prepaid debit card to any, quote, authorized, unquote, 
location Mm -hmm. near you. They had a map you could go to and find. It was usually like a Walgreens, a Rite Aid that was going to be the nearest ATM near you that all subscribe to whatever bank issued this prepaid debit yep. card and that you could go and withdraw your money without any penalties. You get the whole mm-hmm. 1200 bucks. Really? Okay. What happened was, and we're talking about 1200 bucks now, mm-hmm. what happened was you could only take out 600 bucks at a time. Ah, uh, okay. So you mm-hmm. had to go to two different machines right. or go at two different days or you know, yep. one day, you know, two different days of the week, whatever it is. To get the full amount of money without... That's not uncommon. I mean, a no, lot it's of not banks uncommon, have But what I'm saying on. is, like, here is something that the government is supposedly issuing mm-hmm. to the citizens of the United States, right? And then you go to try and cash it in, and somebody's going to take a fee off the top of it? Of course. That's the banking system. Right. So you had to jump through. You would run into machines that are like, sorry, you can't withdraw. Like, unbeknownst to you. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, sorry, you can't withdraw that amount. Please pick an, an amount that's lower than that, and you didn't know, mm-hmm. right? Until you got to a point where you're like six hundred. Yes, we'll give you six hundred bucks. Yeah. Or imagine if it was sixty instead of six hundred. Right. That's yeah. what these people are going to be dealing with mm-hmm. with right. the cash restrictions, and that's the point that I'm making. Mm-hmm. And I've also got uh, they announced the the fifth largest bank that announced that they're going completely cashless right. next year. Uh, they actually uh, put out a uh, a uh, timeline for their transition. If you want to hear it. So, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, uh, January, they're phasing out new checkbooks for new cash management accounts, including You can't even write links. a check? Yeah, they're phasing out checkbooks in January. Wow. Yeah. Not just cashless, but checklist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Only card digital. Only. Wait, so only to, card only. Card only. Do we have to call you checklist? Nothing physical. <laughs> <laughs> My unchecked power. Okay. Uh, March, automated telephone... Banking services will be shut down, making phone payments impossible. Wow. Yeah. May, wow. depositing or withdrawing cash or checks over the counter at branches will no longer be possible. May of which, which year? Coming? The coming? Ma- yep. Yeah, May okay. of 2024. Okay. Ordering checkbooks for existing accounts will also be discontinued. Wait, wait, wait. Getting cash back at the grocery store. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. It's a very common thing here in the U.S. Mm, yeah. Jet, calling us from somewhere out there. Jet, you're on Free Talk Live. Well, I want to talk about the cost of living increase that's happened over the last few years, but I mm. first want to congratulate the captain for at least one time using the term government people. So I think, you know, when, when you right. time, take about five seconds. Bravo. Sir. Bravo. Okay. Touchdown, captain. All right. And, uh, yeah, because uh, we got to use that as as the adjective. And what I what I do is I just practice actually once in a while. Government people, government people, government people. You know mm-hmm. that type of thing. Anyway, I think it's a good habit so to get into. You I, see, you see, Jet. If you hadn't called in all of this time over the last mm, four-ish years or so, like this moment could have never happened. I'd like to thank my producer and my writer, <laughs> and of course Jet for calling in all the time. Yeah, mostly I hear you use the yeah. phrase the organizational type known as government. I I try to use not just the word. Apple yeah, sauce. There you go, buddy. Really, the crowd's loving the it. Really powerful. Yeah, yeah. We I think we're pretty good <laughs> at it here, Jet. Honestly, I mean, maybe we're not perfect at it, but uh, I, I well, like to use government thugs no, a lot. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, any anything as long as you use government as an adjective. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, call them anything else beyond that, you know. 
any any bad name you can. But people but calling themselves about, the city of Keene or the state of New Hampshire. Yeah, that's yeah, that's okay. It gets a little long, but I mean, it serves the purpose. Um, I have recently moved my operation from the middle of the Midwest up to northern Idaho, just across the border from Spokane, and um, okay. I could not Spokane, believe but sure. the difference is. I know. I, I like to use the word Spokane because it just bugs people. <laughs> well, there's a uh, Bob. Well, congratulations, Bob, Bob well Rivers, the infamous uh, radio. Uh, host, morning time guy, also uh, a, a phenomenal parody artist. Uh, he did a, an Eric Clapton parody. If you want to get down, get down in the town of Spokane. <laughs> yeah, I, also, I also call it Spooky Town because it's kind of spooky sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Well, I want to uh, thank our affiliate in uh, Spokane, uh, KXLY AM920 also yeah. on FM somewhere. I don't have it in front of me, but long-time affiliate. 100.7. I first moved up here in 2000, and I, I built a castle on a hill. At that time, it cost me about $600,000. With a moat? And now... A literal castle? <laughs> no. Yeah, well, it, it looks like a castle. Do you have wow. a moat? But it's not... Does it's it not have a moat? Big. Does it have a moat? Nope. But it was it was at the highest point in the city was overlooking the lake and the city and all Sounds that. Sounds nice. Stuff. No moat. So then, but, just to clarify, you're saying right you now, had previously lived in Spokane, but now you have moved no, back to the area. No, Coeur d'Alene. It's right across the border from Spokane. Coeur d'Alene. So you pre, but you previously lived it, there at some point in the past. Yeah, two thousand. Two thousand, and, and we'll now you're back in the same area. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And uh, what I what I found out was that same property that um, that disappeared in about 2006, thanks to my ex, um, mm. is now valued at near two million. Wow! I mean, it's, it's like the the costs here are insane. Yep. A bunch of celebrities are moving in more and more, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, I, I got to tell you even. Even a one-bedroom apartment is like over $1,000. We are still dealing with empires, and they are a nasty bunch, including the United Kingdom. I want to come back around to the story we started the show with. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is from the Electronic Freedom Foundation. They have now passed what they call the Online Safety Bill, the OSB, which says it will make the UK the safest place in the world to be online. In reality, says the EFF, the OSB will lead to a much more censored, locked down internet for British users, and the bill could empower the government. This is so laughable. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like a broken computer is more safe than a fixed computer. <laughs> this is so laughable because, well, the internet is, they're using the word internet here, mm. but what is it really? Mm. The World Wide Series Web. Of <laughs> no, no, well, uh, thank you, Bill. Uh, Wasn't that uh, George Bush? No, no, no that, that was. was uh, George, I thought that was George, was George W. Bush. No, I thought it was. Uh, uh, oh wait, B- uh, the or was it the Alaskan guy? No, no, it was like Bill, an Alaskan uh, radio guy. He was at the Talkers Convention the year that I went. O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, no. I thought it was Bill O'Reilly. No, I'm pretty I was sure a politician. that was. Oh no, he's the one who says we'll do it live. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. my bad. All right, yeah, so anyway, we'll do it live. Anyway. Um, Sorry, it's, I threw you off there. Yeah, you did. It's it's laughable because um, it's just it, it's not going to happen. 
It is uh, Ted Stevens, U.S. Senator from Alaska, who called the, the internet series a tubes. series of tubes. Uh, so they say that the government will ma- uh, not just undermine the privacy and the security of U.K. residents, mm. but I remember internet my point now. users worldwide. World Wide Web. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not called the United Kingdom Web. That's right. It's not called, you know, the Irish Web. It's not called the uh, the Spain Web. It's not called the United States. It's called the World Wide Web. Right? There's nothing that a nation can do, literally, including China. Like, and even though they've tried, there mm-hmm. are Chinese There's the people. There's the Chinese uh, firewall. There are Chinese people who are smarter than the firewall. There are. Who know how to get around the firewall? Sure, who have of course. The where there's a will, there's a way. To get around the firewall, yeah. and so I mean, outside of the lemmings, right? Mm-hmm. The the people who figured out a way to like explore the world wide web can still do so. I'm with you on this point, Captain. But I, you know, I'm also concerned for other people. I don't like to use the term lemmings or you know some other thing to look down on uh, on folks who just aren't. They're not aware of some of the things that we've become aware of in in the our lifetime. Tech folk. Okay. Uh, I mean, more people are, like you said, getting born with phones in their hands. So, I mean, what do you, how do you describe a tech person? I mean, for instance, like uh, my wife, she's on a phone a lot, but she doesn't know how TCP IP networking works, right? So, like, just because you have experience with uh, tech doesn't mean you know how it actually works behind the scenes. You might not be able to, and, like, I can't, like, there's some tech that, like, mm, I've had exposure to, but I can't, expl- I can't teach it. Yeah. Right. right, but like, I, I can't tell you all the details of how Bitcoin blockchain works, but I know more than the average person. Right, me too. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is that uh, the non-adopters, right, mm-hmm. are the ones who are getting pushed around. If you don't learn, if you don't continue educating yourself, you're going to get pushed around. And this is—I don't mean to use lemmings as a, mm-hmm. a word to talk down to people or yeah. whatever, but there are common folk. Who do not use the internet? If they do, they they they're pushed around by it. Instead yeah. of engaging with it on purpose, uh, they are engaged by it. I see what you're saying. They're reacting to it, right? Uh, so, but here's what you need to be concerned with: if you're not in the United Kingdom, if you're in the United Kingdom, you got a big problem on your hands here with this OSB. But it could affect the rest of the world. Because there's a clause in the bill that allows Ofcom, which is the British telecom regulator, to serve a notice requiring tech companies to scan their users, all of them, for so-called child abuse content. See, this is all on the auspices of protecting the children. What does it mean, scan their user? Meaning your files, your phone, your computer, your whatever electronic tablet, your device. Oh, you mean spy on absolutely every bit of my data. That's what we're talking about. You mean what the FBI is already doing? I don't know. What are they doing? I mean, your phone is a spy device, whether you know it well, or not. Well, my phone and, and laptop my first literally is, have spyware. Are you saying that the FBI will no longer be able to access the UK? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are a producer of child porn. Let's not forget I mean, that. I mean, the post office is monitoring your social media activity. Yeah. So no, we're talking about a scan on the device, okay? And we're not talking about somebody's you know f- figuring I mean, Bill out Gates from your- has all ma- already made that a reality with uh windows 11 right where are they doing that now well so what has happened is your computer used to be well yours mm-hmm. separate from the internet it would yeah. operate and function if you were disconnected yes from the internet uh, that's almost impossible now the uk already has licensing for television 
And I learned right. recently it's Television. not just the UK. It's also other countries in Europe, like Germany, apparently. Really? Yeah. Not I just the UK. I did that. not know that either, but some German guy. Like there are literally in, in England that I'm aware of, there are television cops. Yes, that's these right. Are, these are people whose entire job is to go around finding people who are watching television yep. without a license. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> There's a penalty. I wonder, what if they're watching television on their computer? Well, that's what uh, actually it was Ricardo. That's who told uh, told it to me. The guy who's the producer yeah, yeah. of the upcoming documentary film about the Ballad Crypto of Six. Ballad the of the Crypto Six. Six. He is a German uh, citizen. He was, I think, born over there, and so he was the one telling me they have this in Germany. And this may may now be true in the UK as well. But it used to be that if you didn't have a TV, you didn't have to pay for this media permit or right. whatever. Yeah. But now they're basically saying, well. If you don't have a TV, you got to have a phone. You got to have a laptop. You got to have a tablet. Everybody's got something that they can watch media on. So now they have a media consumption tax that you are billed for on a, I think, every monthly or six month basis or something. GFY. Like that. So it doesn't matter. You can have oh, no man. television in your house and you still have to pay this media consumption Tax. Yeah, I How, think this is uh, this is the uh, the beginning of uh, there was a very dystopian uh, piece of work that called this the listener license. Mm. And How do people, uh, his idea, like the idea was that he was transmitting back in time. So he would tell you all about the world that he was wandering mm-hmm. through. And one of the issues was that this listener license, you know, it started small. Like, okay, well, did you purchase that movie? Well, then we have the record that says that you're allowed to watch that movie. Mm. And it just reached the point where you have to have the government's permission in order to read your childhood be- uh, bedtime story. Wow. How do people not revolt against this kind of thing? Because they would rather be certain. It's generations of uh, obedience. Yeah. You know? As long as everyone else is suffering the same way that I am, it must be a good thing. Started small, it got bigger, and by the time it was, you know, a huge problem, it was too late. It's ridiculous. If there was anything wrong with it, I'd have heard about it on the news. Let's get back into the story here, though. This is uh, from the UK, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, talking about the new so-called online safety bill that has passed in the UK Parliament, which could be requiring uh, companies, tech companies, to strip out any sort of encryption, to essentially put a back door in. And if there's a back door in the encryption, you don't have encryption, encryption, okay? Uh, They say here that it's a basic human right to have a private conversation. The right is even more important for the most vulnerable people. If the UK uses its new powers to scan people's data, lawmakers will damage the security that people need to protect themselves from harassers, data thieves, authoritarian governments, and others. Paradoxically, UK lawmakers have created these new risks in the name of online safety. And I'd like to take this moment to encourage any of our listeners that are inclined to do so to really... Put some effort into blockchain social technologies like Noster. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah, because these are the kind of technologies that, by their nature, you cannot build a backdoor into them. They're uncensorable. Yeah, there's no one. There's no way to do that. Mm -hmm. There's no one who like. Oh well, we have the key, but we'll let you use it. No, Mm -hmm. no, no. You have the key. So, in a strange way, not your key, not your communication. Mm. Have you tried it? Um, I'm I'm still poking around okay, at it. Okay. Yeah. I unfortunately cannot because and, uh, government won't no, let me use I, things I like that. I see it pop up, but much like all of the other 
we'll say, uh, more decentralized social media attempts that have been made, mm. none of them are successful. Well, so the, I think the thing that's going to make this By kind successful, of I mean like getting a mass amount of people to join them, mm. right? Well, uh, and I got to say the adoption rate has and the content rate on Nostra in particular have been far in excess of what I would expect from hmm. from, yes, exactly the same sorts of letdown. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we, we had things that weren't quite there at all. And this, by its foundation, is going to, like any kind of technology that is based on this, will, I mean, in the same way that uh, library is a kind of uncensorable way Mm -hmm. of indexing files, this is an uncensorable way of moving uh, communication. So kind of it, kind of in the same way that like, okay, well, eCash got us this far, but it wasn't any Bitcoin. We got a caller unscreened. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hello, it's Jeremy listening from in Australia. Oh, hey, good morning. Uh, <laughs> listening on Odyssey or actually just over the phone now. Um, I just wanted to call in and promote the Free Talk Live TikTok channel at Free Talk Live. Uh, just excellent. wanted to make sure everyone knows there's a TikTok channel. And we, we have can, a TikTok uh, channel? Promote- <laughs> What's that? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> and hopefully promote the ideas of freedom to younger people. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's something that Aria and Bonnie had started like a year or two ago, and then subsequently they dropped it just because it's hard to keep a bunch of projects going. Uh, but Jeremy actually stepped up recently to take over operation of that channel. And nice. I uh, don't I don't know. Have you put anything there yet, Jeremy? I know you just literally got yeah, the yeah. password for it. Okay, cool. What's new? What's uh, yeah, what have you put three, up there? Three or four. I've just put three or four clips a day of wow. what, what you guys have been talking about on the show. All right, awesome. Well, we'll definitely have to start mentioning it then if there's actually content uh, going up there. Uh, yeah, what, so and thank you. If ever, everyone who's listening who has a TikTok can follow at Free Talk Live and like all the videos, or if you don't like the stuff about Free Talk Live, that's great too for the algorithm to mm-hmm. go in and comment all the how much you hate everything or how much you love everything. Skeeters go in there as we speak to start spewing off. (laughs) I hate the captain. He hangs up on me. (laughs) All right, great. Well, uh, feel free to... um, Yeah, go ahead. I just want to wish you... I just just wanted to wish you luck um, with the the part two of your sentencing hearing. Thanks, uh, I appreciate it. uh, A week from Monday. Thank you, I appreciate it. What time is it there in Australia right now where you are? Uh, It is... um, Almost 12 o'clock, what? Uh, midday. Okay, uh, so yeah, so good morning. <laughs> so, uh, you're the morning show in Australia. Do you have commentary on uh, what we were talking about earlier with regard to Australian banks uh, getting rid of cash? There's a prediction that Australia will be fun- uh, functionally cashless by 2025. No, I haven't heard about that, but I used to run a, I used to run a crypto exchange called Spend Bitcoins, mm-hmm. and I had I, – it shut down – it ran really well for two years, and then it shut down after two years because all the I had accounts at all the major banks, mm. and over the this is probably 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. they one by one started sending me form letters and closing my accounts until I had no accounts left. Oh yes, I, I'm familiar with these form letters. Gone. It usually goes something like, "We've reviewed our account with you and determined that uh, we don't really want to do business with you anymore. Have a nice day, and we won't tell you why." That's exactly it, and they wouldn't let me, yeah. yeah, and nobody would tell me why, except the very last bank finally told me why, and it was probably similar to your situation. It was because they had found that some scams, some 
somebody had been scamming people and mm. it had they bought Bitcoin through through my company. Um, oh I had no knowledge of it. It yep. didn't make any difference. They just shut it all down. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.